This podcast was inspired by an internship with the Museum of Motherhood. Please visit mommuseum.org for more information about the museum, to find out how you can get involved, and to help us strengthen our wonderful community of mothers. Again, that is mommuseum.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Amanda. And And we're we're sisters. We are both toddler moms, but we have very different experiences of motherhood. So we are on a mission to talk to different moms who all have different experiences. With a whole lot of laughter, tears, and probably coffee, we embark on a journey to experience motherhood through the eyes of others. Please join us on this journey as we explore motherhood through funny, loving, and very real memories. This This is Mom Talks Talks with My Sister. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Welcome back to Mom Talks with My Sister. Mom Talks with My Sister. It's been so, uh, a wild week for me. How about for you? Uh, yeah, it's been one of those like weeks where you're like, it's not Friday yet. I don't understand how it's not Friday yet. It literally, Friday feels like just never coming. It's never yes. going to come. But it, you know what? It's tomorrow. So it is, it is, It's finally here. Yeah, we're less <laughs> than 12 hours from Friday, which is pretty cool. We can make it. You know, I'm saying. But it's good. Yeah, anything going on that's like fun and interesting that I don't know about? Fun and interesting that you don't know about? No. You know everything that's going on in my life all the time. We're all um, the same. But I'm like really excited for my vacation next week. Vacation. I'm excited for you because what everyone doesn't know is that I talked you into this vacation. That is a hundred percent true. I did one hundred percent. Thank you, thank You're you. Welcome. I am. I'm really excited. I'm going to the Moon River Festival in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'm going to see my all-time favorite artist, Hosier, <laughs> for the fourth time, Amazing. and probably. I don't want to say this, but it's honestly probably the truth. The last time, because good for him, he has made it huge um and now he's selling out madison square garden and i can't afford that right so i I get that yeah so who knows who knows maybe maybe i will but if this is my last time this is going to be a good time good i'm glad you have the attitude you're going to go live your best hippie life i sure am yeah that's what you're gonna do love me a folk (laughs) music festival So do you want to hop into mom moments for the week? Yeah. Why don't you start? Okay. Um, So this is a small confession. And again, you know everything about me, but the listeners don't know this about me. And it leads into my mom moment of the week. I am an avid book reader. I am always... I am always reading a book most of the time, more than one book. Um, and I am constantly listening to audiobooks. Um, so I I'm I love reading. I always have. And I don't remember if I told you this or if I told mom this, but when I was pregnant, I had a genuine fear that I was going to have a kid that didn't like reading. Like I was like, I remember specifically asking mom mom, what if he doesn't like to read? And mom was like, 
it'll be fine. And I'm like, but Ryan doesn't like to read. And she's like, and it's fine. And I'm like, it's not fine. It's not okay. But um, so this leads into my mom moment. We are now at the point where this child wants me to read him 15 books before bed. Mm -hmm. It is constant. It is I finish one, he hands me another one. Um, so have you ever read Jimmy Fallon's books, Mama, Dada? No, no, but they look adorable. So I own them and I will let you borrow them. They're oh, banned. Oh, they're so good. They're just, they're really cute board books. They're very simple. The Love Dada that. book is, it's all these animals and the dad animal tries to get the baby animal to say dada but instead of saying dada he or the aunt the baby says meow or woof or ba whatever the animal sound is and i read this to my son often and this evening when i was making dinner ryan comes up to me and he goes babe go and look at what he's doing and I just go into his room and his back was facing me and I have a video of this so I will share it with you Amanda but he is literally reading by memorization the right. dad book and Love he's it. literally going dada meow dada woof dada bzzz and I'm like he likes reading <laughs> I was so excited I love that. I love that for you. I love that for any like mom or parent that experiences that moment because we did the same thing with our daughter. The first time we saw her doing exactly as you just described, it was like, oh, oh my God, like she's growing up. Like, oh my God, she's reading. <laughs> and it's not reading, but it's showing enjoyment in something that you would also enjoy. And like, I will say, and this is not a put down on anybody, but like, we are very similar, you and I, in the way that we parent our kids as far as books before bed, like no toys, but you can have as many books as you want. Like, and you and I are both very similar, like no iPads, no TVs, no, none of that. But books and it's just it's such a cool experience to see them getting away from technology and enjoying something so innocent yeah absolutely Love and it. so timeless because when there's nothing else there's still written books yes yes so. i love it i oh, i'm so happy and do you realize what you're saying too is that he is also speaking more words so you know what is, you're right way. This, this is, is like a, a double quadruple, you know, bases loaded, out of the park, World Series kind of win. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I look at you talking baseball for somebody that hates baseball. I know. I was literally just going to say that. I was like, baseball. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say that they scored a basket and then kicked a field goal. And then they volleyed the slam yeah. dunk. <laughs> <laughs> and the score was love. Yes, <laughs> it was. They, you know what? I learned a new term, and then you have to get into your mom moment. Okay. But this is hysterical. I have a friend who is an avid pickleballer, and he it's was like teaching the thing me, now. I know, and he's teaching me the terms, and these terms are ridiculous. He's telling me the story, and he's like, "Yeah," and then I, and then I dinked it into the kitchen, and I was like, <laughs> "You did what? 
You did what? <laughs> a dink. Like, this doesn't sound real. Like he's like, no, it's a dink, and you put it in the kitchen. And like, mm, no. you're for sure making this up. Like these are this is not real sports terminologies. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So, oh, how about you? Do you have a good mom moment? I have a mom moment, and when I was thinking about my mom moments, I this is like a mom moment that I feel like is going to resonate with so many moms. Uh, and it has to do with our mom. Um, so our daughter, she goes to our mom's house twice a week and then she's at daycare three days a week. And so on Monday, uh, I drop her off. And before I leave to go to work, our mom gets out this prize for my daughter and it's, it comes in this round little can and I'm like, all right, what's in here? So she opens it up and it's this like glitter slime putty. It's like, it's not slime, but it's also not putty. Like it's like in between. And um, of course it's got glitter and all these magical things in it. And uh, so she loves it. She absolutely loves it, you know, and she's playing with it and she's doing good. And you know, our mom is trying to show her, you know, if you get some of it stuck, just touch it again, like, you know, the, the big clump of it, and it, it sticks to the clump, and it comes off your hands. Cool. I'm like, awesome. So I leave, I go to work. And she's sending me pictures. And she's, you know, oh, she's loving it. She's loving it. Great. Awesome. Then the end of the day comes around. And I get a text from our mom. And she's like, so something happened. And I'm like, okay, first of all, is everybody okay? She's like, uh, everybody's good. She's like, um, but we had a little incident with the slime putty stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm instantly going to, is this like gum in her hair? Am I going to have to cut her hair? Because that, anybody that knows, yeah. Is that your first thought? That was my first thought. I was like, yeah. she put it in her hair. Yep. And, and, and everybody that, that knows our daughter, she has, she has beautiful hair. She just, mm -hmm. she does. She has long, like past the center of her back, long, beautiful hair. And it's just, I'm not saying she has the best hair for a kid, but she really has great hair. She just does. Mm -hmm. uh, not many three-year-olds, I think, you know, have that type of hair. Anyways, so that's my first thought. Uh, turns out to not be it. Um, and um, she got it in her eyebrows though. And our mom couldn't get it out. And it was on her like eyebrows and her eyelids. And so now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's going to be a rash. How do I get this off? Like our mom's saying that she took like, like tweezers and a comb and was trying to like comb it out. And, you know, our daughter's, you know, screaming and crying. And I'm like, what, why are we trying to comb it out of her eyebrows, her poor skin? Like, this is what I'm thinking. So I get home because my husband picked her up that day. I get home and I look at her and I was like, okay. I'm just going to try this uh, and we'll just see how it goes. So I had her sit on my lap, we kept her calm and I just got a cotton ball with um, some rubbing alcohol. And I was like, this, sh I don't see why this wouldn't work, but I have like a washcloth. Like I'm obviously making sure that her eyes are closed. I'm not trying to get it near her eyes, but I, Bethany, I did one swoop, just one single swoop. It was gone. It was, it was, it came right off and it was like, my daughter is like traumatized from our mom, like trying to brush it out of her eyebrows earlier. Like she still just got it. And I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a rash. This is going to like, oh, this is going to be awful. It's going to get into her eyes while she's sleeping. Nope. One, one wipe of rubbing alcohol. And then I took a washcloth and I just like 
wiped that off, like to like be like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. But yeah, so that was my mom moment. But thank God it wasn't gum. Thank God it wasn't her hair. But we will not be letting grandma give her slime <laughs> <body> anymore. <laughs> no more slime putty. No more slime putty. <laughs> All right, let's get ready to introduce our guest for today, shall we? Okay. Today's guest is Missy Yandow. She is a mom of three, and today she'll be sharing her experience of gaining confidence as a mom, building a business with young kids at home, balancing the work-life balance with no boss to give her deadlines, encouraging overwhelmed moms to reach out for help and find their village. Missy describes herself as basically your best friend in your back pocket. She's a highly educated and experienced mom who can relate to your struggles and help you solve them without having to head to Google and Facebook mom groups that will just leave you overwhelmed and confused. Missy, thank you for joining us on Mom Talks with My Sister. How's it going? Good. I am so excited for this interview. I like, I cannot explain how excited I am for this interview. I'm excited too. I was just like preparing and I was like, I like, I just can't wait. Let's just do this. (laughs) Jump right in. She's like, I'm ready to go. (laughs) You know, like I was really thinking about this and how crazy it is that so far, everyone we have interviewed have been pretty good friends of ours or family members of ours. And just in our small village of people to use missy's village term like how many different experiences of motherhood we have been able to find that's crazy yeah we and we'll like actually circle back at that later okay perfect i know we will (laughs) this might end up being like a two-parter episode like i i don't know if it will be but it might be I definitely think that it could be. And once we get talking, it just goes. I was going to say I'm a bit of a chatterbox, so. You fit in perfectly with us. This is why you're family. I have no filter and like I don't sugarcoat anything, so. I love that. And that's why we're here, right? Like there's been so many experiences of like I experienced it, Amanda experienced it, like of people telling us like, the easy parts of motherhood and like the things that are like glamorous and that you want to share and what all we ever wanted was just the truth right and it's just like that's why we're here to like spread the actual truth of motherhood it's not always great no it's really not (laughs) plus missy is a total lifesaver so i just have a really quick side story so when i was pregnant with my daughter and it was like almost go time. And I was like packing the bag for the hospital. Uh, The person that I knew would have the answer for me, I texted Missy and I was like, okay, I need you to get real with me really quick because I have like eight suitcases of things. I'm reading (laughs) all of these things online that, oh, you're gonna need the boppy and you're gonna need this and you're gonna need that. And you're gonna need like 12 different pairs of clothes. And I was like, Missy, you know, really, what do I need? And she was like, listen, I have just ended up just bringing like a change of clothes, something to bring the baby home in. That is it. And I was like, all right. So my eight suitcases just went down to seven. Thanks, Missy. She still brought seven. Oh my gosh. Well, by the time I had my third kid, 
I was like, I've even, honestly, even my first one, I was like, we did the hospital tour and which was kind of a waste of time anyways, but like, there's so much more that expecting parents need to know than what your freaking hospital room is going to look like that you're going to spend 24 hours in maybe a little bit longer, but talking about being real, like you don't need any of the stuff. It's all just good marketing. Yeah. Like I was pregnant during COVID, right? So I didn't get a hospital tour. I didn't get any of those birthing classes. Like they were just like, you're on your own sister. And I was like, all right. Like I started having like contractions. I went into um, preterm preterm contractions, I think is what they were called. And um, it was what? Like predominal labor or something. Like you were having contractions, but it wasn't active labor. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and I was like, I think I was like 20 weeks, I was like 21 or 22 weeks pregnant when I started. And it was like, it was like, I didn't know what to expect. Like I go into the hospital and they're like, okay, yeah, th- we're going to send you up to labor and delivery. I was like, wait, what? I can't know. This is, and I mean, obviously everything was fine and I ended up, you know, going full term. But then even then when they were like, we're going to send you over for induction now. And I was like, wait, what? But it's not like it's hard to find your way to the labor and delivery floor. Why do I need a tour of the hospital? I know. It's so crazy. You take an elevator. It brings you there. (laughs) The elevator just like opens the doors to the floor for you. (laughs) But I actually, I didn't take a birthing class either. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I had the mentality. I didn't do like a birth plan or anything. I just had this mentality of, I know it's going to be hard. I know that it might suck. And I'm just going to trust my medical team. Like, I feel like I'm like the most, maybe not the most opposite crunchy. I think in my years, I've gotten a little more crunchy, actually. (laughs) But I just had the mentality of like, they're going to take care of me and and know what to recommend and what to do. And I went with it and I had three amazing experiences. And I just like, I didn't stress it. That's That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And I like, so I did the same. So I was first half of my pregnancy was pre-COVID. Second half of my pregnancy was during COVID. Um, So I stressed out with that kind of stuff too, where I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like I need these classes. I need a tour. I need all this stuff. And like, um, I actually looking back on it, I'm so glad because I did the same thing, Missy. Like I was like, I am not setting a birth plan because I don't want to have built up a certain expectation in my head. And then that completely goes to shit. But yeah, so like, I was just like, I'm not going to build something up in my head. Like, but I didn't realize that like a lot of times, like, like parents will bring in like, like a speaker, just, just a Bluetooth speaker. But, but um, yeah, so like, I didn't realize that people like brought that kind of stuff and had like Zen music and stuff in the background. The, when like we started the nurse, like we started pushing the nurse was like, do you have any music you want to play? And I was like, do you have any that you want to play? I don't know. Like, <laughs> So um, believe it or not, guys, the day I found out I was pregnant, I wrote a birth plan. <laughs> Bethany is the, if I can try to have control, I will be in control. <laughs> I That's good too. I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. But it wasn't like, you know, some people, like, especially in like the movies and stuff, they show people with like a binder size, like birth plan. Oh, yeah, no. Mine was like one page long. And it was just like, this is the ideal. 
right? Like ideally X, Y, Z. And then it was also like, I don't want to, because we live around a teaching hospital and I didn't really want to be a public spectacle because like, I mean, I get it. Everyone has to learn, but you don't got to learn on me. Mm-hmm. Like I am, there are not that many people need to see my lady bits. <laughs> Let's that keep is so funny because I'm so opposite. So am I, Missy. <laughs> I literally, like, there were 25 people in the room when I was giving birth. And in my mind, I was like, I don't really care. Like, absolutely not would, like, my family members or my in-laws be in there other than my husband but like medically speaking i was like listen the more the merrier if there if you gotta learn something and and like you can learn it here have at it no no (laughs) this is like enjoy the show (laughs) like the one thing that was really cool when i had my third was that they literally had like stations set up where like the students were coming in and like assessing and studying my placenta and the umbilical cord and I was like, oh, cool, show me. Like, oh, what can I learn here? No. Pretend I'm a nurse for a day. Do you, know? no. Do you know what's funny? Like, so not that I had that. I had a couple residents that were kind of like making their rounds when I was giving birth. But then after, our nurse was awesome. Like, I I just need to shout out Crystal. Uh, she was amazing. Um, uh, truly, I don't think I could have done it without her. But um, at the end, she had the placenta like in like the... Uh, we'll call it Tupperware. I don't know what else it was. And she was like, she like held it up and she was like, you want to see your placenta? And I was like, kind of, yeah, can I? Like, yeah, it's and, so cool. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just kind of in there and I was like, that's so weird. Like, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to view it. I didn't need anything. Yeah. You didn't want to take it home and eat it? No, no. Some people do. into a necklace or something. No, that's, no. you know what though? If that's your thing, you do you. Right. 100%. The only thing I maybe would have gotten down with in terms of like the placenta ingestion, yeah, is like if they made it pills, yeah. then it would be a little less ick for me. Sure, but yeah. I, I never even thought about it. I was like, yeah, yeah. just study it. I don't care. No. I didn't know that people did anything with it until I was pregnant. And then you start reading all the things. So like, I mean. It's like anything else. If you decide to Google something, no matter what it is, you're going to get the good, it. the bad. You're going to find things that you're yep. like, oh, okay. This is all right. <laughs> People do this. Okay. Yeah. People do no. a lot of things. No. And, and it's so funny how different everybody's comfort level is with all of this stuff because it's like you guys went in it like laid back. I went in and I was like, here's my birth plan. And the last thing on my birth plan was like, I don't want to have a C-section, obviously, yeah. if it is a life-saving, like, if we have to, we have to, but, like, please, at all costs, avoid a C-section, and guess who got a C-section? <laughs> like, you know, so, like, even if you have the best birth plan in the world, you just, like, and I knew that going in, like, I this is my ideal, but, you know, you, you do what you got to do, and, yeah. you know, and you come out the other side, and, I had no one offered me to see my placenta. Um, great, thank you so much for that. I would have been like, no, uh, <laughs> horrified. I did. I told the nurses like every single time. They're like, "Do you want to pull the baby out? Do you want a mirror? Do you want to watch? Like all the things." And I'm like, "I don't care what happens right now. You just wipe off the face 
so that I can kiss not my insides. Yes. <laughs> That's how I felt that too. Yes. That's it. I felt the same exact way. I told them, I was like, when he comes out, like I want him to be quickly wiped down and just like wrap him in a blanket and give him to me. Like yeah. I was not very comfortable with the idea of like doing instant, like skin to skin. I know that's very important to a lot of people, but for me, I was just like, he's going to be so gross. I don't want that on me. Like, so it's just like wipe him down, cover him up and then I'll hold him. <laughs> it's fine. Just give me like some face. Give me, just give me like a good, a good clean spot. Exactly. Someplace I can kiss that's not bloody and whatever else is happening down there. But. I asked every single doctor if I pooped every single time. Uh-huh. And every time they were like, no. And I'm like, can somebody just tell me the truth? I know everyone poops when they give birth. And every single person, they're like, no, seriously, you didn't poop. And I'm like, sure, okay, whatever. Right. I, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. How do you uh, know I, you didn't? Because I because I told okay, so a couple of things. One, one, I didn't really eat much before. Like it, it would kind of all happen so fast and I hadn't eaten that day. And then we got to the hospital and like I was nervous, but I was actually much more laid back than I thought I was gonna be. And um they were like, You have to eat for some energy. And I was like, I'm not hungry. I just yeah, I'm at this thing out. I have so much heartburn right now that like food is the last thing that I want. So I told my husband, I was like, listen. Like, I didn't realize when we started pushing how much you're actually, like, going to see down there. Like, I was like, I thought you were going to be up in my head. Yeah, you were. It was all happening. And, uh, and you know, he, and he's like, no, he goes, I swear to God. He goes, he goes, you didn't. He was like, you didn't poop. And um, the, nur- the, the nurse told me, too. She was like, and, I mean, it's totally normal. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. totally normal for it to happen. And uh, I thought I would probably care if I did. And I think looking back on it in that moment when you're actually giving birth, you're, nope, all those things you thought you would care about, you don't. Literal <laughs> notice given. No. <laughs> I care very much. What is happening here? I cared so much. Okay. So speaking of being induced and not eating, I got induced on a Wednesday morning. It was like noon when they induced me. I went in at like 10 a.m. They induced me at noon. And well, they started with like the misoprostol, whatever. It took forever, forever. I He didn't end up coming out until 9.30 on Friday night. So Wednesday night, we're starting the medication. And I'm like, babe, I'm hungry. And he's like, all right, what do you want? And I was like, I want sushi. And he goes, are you sure that you want sushi? And like, I just have to asterisk this. I ate cooked sushi. So nobody bite my head off, please. I swear. But so me, Wednesday night, I'm eating sushi and living my best life. And then Friday comes, whatever. So I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, and pushing, and pushing. And he's stuck. So fun. Uh, pushing for no reason. And as they, like, the doctor says to me, we're going to get you into a C-section. And I'm like, okay, okay. And Ryan looks at me when she walks out of the room. He goes, hey, babe. And I was like, what? He goes, you pooped. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hate you for telling me because I didn't know. <laughs> oh, man. That sucks. Oh. So. It's, it figures that you were the one that cared and you were the one that did it. And Missy and I, I are the ones that did not really care. And we did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. 
such as life, Murphy's Law. So, Missy, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Yes. So I have three adorably bratty children. Um, They are six, eight, and nine. Actually, the other day, so I have boy, girl, boy. And my so my daughter is eight. And she's like, I literally, like, I straight up told her, I said, you're being a brat. And she goes, what's a brat? And I was like, I don't really know how to define that. So then she goes and asks Google. And Google says something about, like, somebody who doesn't behave or somebody who misbehaves often. And she goes, I am so not a brat. And I'm like, (laughs) exhibit A. No. Um, But they, like, they're actually, like, they're really at these fun ages. They're sweet, like, 60% of the time. And they're just at that point where, like, they bicker a lot. And, like, bickering seriously pushes my buttons. Well, the funny thing about having kids is that when they do things, like, even if it's just, like, liking a food, not liking a food, or having a certain reaction to something, I'll be like, oh, you are definitely my kid. And then other times when they do something really annoying, I'll be like, ooh, that's a daddy gene right there. Yes. I am like, 100% guilty of that too. Oh, all the time. But then like now we just like turn it into like this big joke. And I mean, my my kids have stinky feet. Like it's just, it is what it is. And like they're in socks and sneakers all day and they stink up rooms and I'll go in there and be like, oh, was daddy in here? Like there's definitely some daddy feet going on. And then like Tim will be in the other room and be like, it's mommy's feet. <laughs> <laughs> But it's really, it's fun to just see, like, what they got from each of us and, like, just who they are naturally. Like, it's just, it's really cool. It's a cool thing to have kids. See, I love that, too, because we're not there yet. Like, we are in the toddler stage. So, and, like, we are, obviously, like, our kids have personalities and they're becoming who they are. But, like, we're already seeing that that change, like, and, like, oh who you look like or you know mannerisms or you know like my daughter loves princesses and glitter and i'm like oh you are so my kid (laughs) oh that's funny speaking of your family and having boy girl boy um on a little bit more of a somber note um you did experience a miscarriage and can you explain kind of how that affected you as a mom, as um, a business owner, which we haven't even really got into yet. Yeah. After, no, I'll go back. Okay. So I always knew, like my husband and I always had like this goal, goal (laughs) or like vision or plan of having three to five kids. And we had two and we had them very close together. They were 15 and a half months apart and we did that on purpose. So many people are like, oh, she was an accident. No, she wasn't. Cannot stand when people say that. Um, We wanted them close together because we wanted a lot. So I have been very lucky in the fact that I've gotten pregnant very quickly, all four times that I've been pregnant. Um, So when I got pregnant the third time, I had all the symptoms that I had the first two times. And like, for me, it was like the boobs, like 
the boobs were like overnight ginormous and I would be starving. And those were the only two symptoms. And it came to a point where I was like seven weeks and like that was like when your stomach starts like hardening and like you're just noticing the physical changes. But I noticed like, oh, I'm not really having those symptoms anymore. So I kind of just knew something was off. And then like the miscarriage happened and it's just like I kind of in the back of my head every time I was pregnant, I always just kind of had a feeling that it was going to happen because it happened to my mom and it happened to my grandma. So they say that like fertility is not genetic, but infertility is. And not that I would consider myself like infertile, but I kind of like part of me thinks that something there is genetic. Maybe not. Like, I don't know. I didn't really do any research on it um, because for me, I was like, it happened and that's that. Um, But as far as like how it affected me as a mom, like, I... There's so many things that change you. And that was one thing that I was like, nothing is promised. Nothing is guaranteed. And like, you never know when something is going to affect you. And you never know what communities you're going to be a part of until you are. And I was like very private, actually, about my kids, my family, everything up until this happened. And when I saw on YouTube, like so many other people sharing their stories, I was like, this needs to be something that's not so taboo and not so like secretive. And I remember when I told my parents and like, they were just like, okay. Like it was just like, okay, move on. Like it was very uncomfortable. Like, don't so talk then, about it. Just right. almost like it didn't happen. Like, we're not going to feel the emotions. We're just going to move on. Yes. And yeah. we know that that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why Missy and I are friends. <laughs> I am a very feel, feel your feelings and emotions kind of person. And I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, if I'm upset, everybody around me can feel it. And so I did put it out there in the world. And I was just like, this happened. And it sucks. And the number of people who reached out and were like, oh, it happened to me too. It happened to me too. It happened to me too. And like, holy crap. But like just having that support and that village and community was really helpful for me because there's a lot of people though that like are very not helpful in that kind of situation. And like, oh, well, you have two other kids, so it's fine. Like, oh God. I could Ooh. not imagine saying that to somebody. Yeah. There are like there are things people said, and I'm like, oh, okay, you're fantastic, aren't you? You're a great so person. Much for uh, yeah contributing. Yeah, but I think like there was a point in me being a mom where I like completely switched from this is our schedule, this is what we do, this, 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 and this to. I'm just going to love you because I can. And I like, I'm pretty sure that was that turning point. 
But also, like, personally, like, that was the turning point where Tim and I were just kind of like, let's just have one more and see what happens. And during my entire, like, Joshua actual third born pregnancy, I was so anxious and like every twinge, every cramp, every ache and pain, everything. I was so anxious and I was like, I'm going to lose them. I'm going to lose them. And after that, I was just like, okay, I think I'm all done. Like no more babies. We're good. So I can't imagine like how, how stressful that has to be because like, I mean, when I was pregnant and I didn't know, like anything different. I was anxious enough with all those things, but having lost one and going into another one, you know, that's, that's, oh, I can't imagine the anxiety. It was tough. Yeah. I think it's one of those things too, that like, you know, just, I mean, I've known you for a very long time and you've always been a very, I don't want to, not outspoken is not the right word, but you are, you are who you are. You are comfortable with who you are, you know, type of person. Do you know what the I mean? Term, like, the term many people use to explain me is just unapologetic. Yes. Yes. That's, that's perfect. That's amazing yeah. because yeah. Bethany and yeah. I have spent our entire lives trying to figure out who we are and being comfortable with who we are. Yeah. Um, and, and apologizing. An entire time. Mm-hmm. I still oh. do it. And I still oh, have to people it. tell me, stop saying sorry, stop saying sorry. And Wait, like, oh, and then when they're like, stop saying sorry, you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm sorry about it. People keep telling me. <laughs> but yeah. I think I think for you being somebody to, you know, share this experience with people, you have that perfect personality to be like, let's stop not talking about it and let's talk about it let's talk about the real feels of what is happening and what you're going through and you know just making it better not just for yourself but for other people yeah so can i ask you um the term rainbow baby do you like how do you feel about that term? Because technically we learned when we met my mom, mm-hmm. like I would be considered that rainbow baby, right? Yeah. And I like I understand like the sentiment around it, but it's not for me. Yeah. Sure. Um I think so I mean the whole like I guess reason for using that term is like, so the rainbow comes after the storm, but like, is the storm ever really over? Like, is there ever a day where, I mean, now it's been seven years for me since I had the miscarriage. So I can't say like every day that I'm like, oh, that baby, but like there was a very long time where every single day I was like, who would that baby have been? What would they have become? Like, what would the dynamic be with Timmy and Kaya? Like, what, like, did I fail? Did I do something wrong? Like, there was so much of that for so long. And like, even when I think about it now, I'm like, there was, so it was winter when I got pregnant and we have a wood burning fireplace. And for a very long time, I guilted myself for lifting too much firewood to bring in the house and 
like made myself feel like that was why I had a miscarriage was because I lifted too much. And so like stuff like that will come up once in a while. And I'll be like, did I eat a raw egg? Like, did I, did I do something wrong? So like, I just don't think that there's ever, like you're never through the storm. So like, how is there a rainbow? Meh. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things that I think only someone who's been through what you've been through can explain it that well. And it's almost like, it's almost like that, that other term, like learning how to dance in the rain type of a thing, like where it's like your storm's not over, but you learn how to, to live with it type of thing. And it's like, it's like that grief where like when they say you, like you lose a parent and people say like, oh, does it get better? No, it doesn't get better. You're never going to stop missing that person. You're just going to learn how to go through life differently. And like it's very similar in that sense and like we have done things to remember that baby like we've released balloons we have um tim's parents have like 50 acres of land and they've made trails that have all the kids like their grandkids names on them and they've made like these beautiful signs and they made a white trail for like my little dove baby And yeah, so like there's things that we've done and like every year around like this baby would have been born in October, just like me and Timmy. And so every year I'll go do like my own little hike on that trail and just kind of like do my own thing to kind of celebrate that that was, I mean, maybe it wasn't like a viable life, but I still consider it a life. Mm Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that you still sell ce- like celebrate that life and you mm-hmm. still remember and it's not just, you know, gone. Yeah. yeah. And I think that you are doing everything that you can in your power and, you know, your being to make that dance in the rain. I don't know how else to say <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense. So Missy, next question. Um, I, I actually, I don't know the full answer to this question, so I'm really excited. Um, ever since we met, uh, like middle school, I knew like from like the moment that we became friends, you always wanted to do something with your life with children. You have always been passionate about being a mom and just having some kind of a career um, with children. So do you remember the first time that you knew you wanted to pursue a degree and um, a life with children? Yeah. So it kind of just always was. Even when I was like, I, I want to say somewhere between three and five years old, I had a fake pair of glasses that I would wear because all teachers wear glasses, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I would just like carry around my notebook and pen and I would just like pretend that I was the teacher all over the place. And when I was 12, I started teaching dance classes at my dance studio. Um, And then from there, it was just kind of like, well, if you want to be a teacher, you have to go get a degree. And so I started my early childhood degree thinking, like, I guess I never, like, there wasn't a specific point where I was ever like, am I not going to do this? Like, I always wanted to be a teacher. 
And the funniest thing about it is that I absolutely hated being a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I hated it because, so I was teaching like young kindergarten, like, like young five-year-olds. And I was told that if my kids weren't writing their names before kindergarten, that they were behind. And I was told that we were doing too much playing and that I had to do these like insane assessments. And I was like, hmm, no, that is not, that's just not cool. And I was vocal about it. And I was teaching in a Catholic school with very old school, very old school people. And then the principal had pulled me aside and goes, you might want to walk on eggshells around here. And I was like, hmm, I don't do that though. And I'm going to run my classroom the way I want to. And my kids are going to play. And it's going to be a great year. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it ended up getting a really good response from the parents. And I went from like teaching a half day program for these kids to creating a whole full day program for these kids. And it was like that was kind of like my legacy there. And then once I had Timmy, I did try to go back to teaching and he never slept at daycare. It was a terrible experience. And then I decided to just stay home because who like who can realistically afford childcare on a teacher salary? On any salary. On any salary. (laughs) And and we knew we were gonna have more. So then we were just like, all right, well, we'll just stay home and I'll figure it out. And I had this guilt at that point too. I guess I like carry a lot of guilt um, because I had this degree. I just had this guilt of I have this college degree that was not cheap. And I didn't want to not utilize not only like my knowledge, but like this is going to sound so cocky, but like I know that I'm good with kids. <laughs> so. That's confidence, girl. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So like I didn't want to just like sit at home and like just keep it to my own kids, which was great. It was fantastic. But I just felt kind of useless. (laughs) And so like I really started searching like how can I actually be a resource for parents who might not have the village. They might not have the resources. They might not have parents that can just take care of their kids for them. And I just like, I knew that I needed to do something meaningful. And in that way, like teaching just wasn't that for me. Like it was meaningful, but it was like textbook. It was meaningful to someone else's standards, not to your own. Yeah. So essentially what I'm hearing, Missy, is that you just need to open up your own school. No. Eh. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, but like in a perfect world, I would Mm -hmm. love to have like an early childhood center Mm -hmm. that is more centered towards the family than like the child's education and like really family resources that I mean, like you hear about like all these birthing classes and lactation classes and like just all those things that are there for expecting and like brand new families. But like what's really there for families who are struggling with really strong willed toddlers who won't accept the word no. Right. I mean, that's a really good point because there are none. And it's just a lot of the times it's, oh, 
it's the terrible twos. You'll oh. be fine. It's oh. just a stage. The trying threes. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to having a toddler. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, right. Nuts. And then it's just like there's no actual resources for the parents. And like the resources that are out there, <laughs> keep this or cut it if you want, but like there are some really great resources out there for, for parents, but there's also like the ones that are like like the very calm, cool, collected, which is great until you lose your shit. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna, where's the support gonna... for the parents who just can't keep it together because their kids are insane? Because mm-hmm. it's right. gonna happen. Like Absolutely. what? Like what do you do when you just lose your shit? Like there's gotta be a class for that. So I think it's really smart though to approach this like because everybody thinks about like teaching kids. Like like oh we have to teach we have to teach this baby how to toddler we have to teach this toddler how to kid we have to teach this kid how to teenage we have to teach this teenager how to adult you know like but there's really never anything other than you just gotta wing it as a parent and that old saying of there's no book you know for how to parent like Mm -hmm. i love your idea and i've never heard this from you before like of approaching this as like a let's do this together type of a yeah right like the family because the parents like more than just the kid needs to learn right like parents need to learn too i'm learning every single freaking day yeah you know what i mean like every kid is different Mm -hmm. so even the way that one parent parents one kid might not be how you can parent the next kid and the next kid Mm -hmm. and that is what is so exhausting yeah right and, Be- and you know what, honestly, Bethany and I can attest to that because as kids, Bethany and I were so different and my parents, our, our parents tried to parent Bethany like they parented me and it didn't work. So I think that's a great point. And I've never really thought about that till this moment. So I, last year, I actually looked at like buildings. It's just so much money. Yeah. So much money. Listen, if we win the lottery, we will we will back you because we believe in you uh, 159%. So miss, after you decided you were like, teaching is not for me, you have a college degree. Can you talk to us a little bit about your college degree and how that led to your business and tell us your business name and uh, summarize what you do? Yeah. So, okay. So I started with early childhood education and then branched off into child life psychology and child development. So technically, I could be a child life specialist in a hospital. However, that was not something that my heart could handle because you're working with chronically ill children in that setting. And it's heartbreaking. Um, It could be very rewarding. And I've definitely like had those thoughts like after I decided I wasn't going back to teaching. I've had the thoughts of maybe I can go work in the hospital and like work as a child life specialist in some capacity, but it just like, I wanted to be able to be home with the kids, have my own business with my own hours and not answer to someone like a school principal who's telling me that my classroom's too fun. Um, So I got my certification to become a sleep consultant and started my business, which is now called Slumber and Bloom. That was not the first iteration of this business. I did rebrand in 2019 um very like 
2019 relaunched and then pandemic happened. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, Slumber and Bloom started. I came up with the name because slumber, like sleeping is my main thing. And then the bloom was like, I can do anything else that I want because I can teach all the babies. Like, give me your kid and I'll do whatever. <laughs> like, I'll teach them whatever you want. I actually had like a previous sleep training client today. She, she's she got twins and they're very addicted to their pacifiers. And she's like, do you do any like pacifier services where you can just like get my kids off the passy? And I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, it's called I'll Just Come Take Them. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't need a certification in that. But, yeah, but like it's it's interesting because once I like really get to know my clients and they get to know that I do have a wealth of knowledge in child development beyond sleep and potty training. Like I've had a mom come to me and be like, how do I get my kid engaged with other kids because they've never had to do this before? And like more questions about like, my kid won't eat, what do I do? And um, things that I can help families with that isn't just sleep training because I do have those degrees and education. Um, so your business focuses on two things that most parents absolutely dread, like the thought of sleep training and the thought of potty training. Like those are two of the scariest aspects of, I think, having an infant and toddler. So how did you decide to focus your business on these two things? So I actually started primarily with sleep training and I like, so when I decided to quit my teaching job and never look back and I like really wanted to still help families and stuff. I spoke to two of my friends that like one of them was like a businesswoman and she helped people build businesses back in that day. And then the other was just one of my good friends who also just had a baby, knew the ins and outs of like becoming a parent. And just through talking to them, like I knew that I had to do something that was going to give value to families. And I knew that sleep was something that I was so passionate about that people thought I was insane because, and I know like I touched on, like I was so regimented in this is the schedule. You will not take my child overnight if you do not adhere to their schedule, keep them on schedule and do not put them to bed one minute later. And then when I found that sleep consulting was an actual job that I could have a certification for an actual training on how to teach other families how to sleep train their kids, it was like a light bulb moment that I knew this was something I was passionate about and it had to do with children and I was helping families and it was providing immense value for people who may not have the resources or like the stamina, I guess you could say, to like sit here and research and figure out what's best for their family. So I'm like, ooh, I'll do this. And I remember my husband and I were like, looking at how much it was going to cost to get my certification, looking at how much I would have to charge per client and if it would be worth it. And it was just like, it was an easy decision. And so I started with that and I like, I was not as like business savvy. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to help so many people. And I thought everyone was just going to come flocking. 
And I had no idea back then that like sleep training would be controversial or that some people would be like upset that people would sleep train their kids. But I was like really chill about it. And then it really did start picking up traction. And I was like, wow, like this is really helping people. Like the reviews were just like incredible. And I was like, I want to help more and do more things. Meanwhile, one of my children who will not be named was having a two-year battle with like symptoms that the GI doctor was calling like IBS symptoms. And it was two years of constipation, withholding, like painful poops, so much potty drama. And it was way after the fact that they were already potty trained and it just like happened. And it was honestly like it was traumatic for the whole family and i didn't want other families to ever have to go through that again so then of course like i go back to the drawing board found out there's certifications to teach kids how to potty train and i took two of them <laughs> because i needed to know everything there was to know about teaching kids to pee and poop and especially like when there's such like in between like sleep and potty training like there's such a fine line between this is a medical concern and this is a behavioral concern that having that education was really important for me. And I just like, I didn't want to just stop with sleep training because I knew that there was more that I could offer. Like I have these degrees in child psychology and education. I didn't want to just be like, I'm a sleep expert. Like I know a lot more than that. So <laughs> Yeah. So I just like wanted to be able to give a lot more than that. So can't stop, won't stop. If I find something that I think I can help families with, I'm going to. I love that. Um, so Missy, the families that you work with, um, you have worked with so many, including my own, um, which I can attest to. Um, Missy's uh, potty training program was unbelievable. Um, I reached out to Missy, obviously, because um, my daughter was like, she knew what she was doing and we were right there. And it was like months of like, girl, you got this. <laughs> I know you got this. You know, you got this. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> and it was, it was almost instantaneous following your program. You and the slumber and bloom way. Uh, the slumber and bloom way is the only way let's just have a conversation about it um but even now like so my daughter she just turned three and um i don't even have to worry about her um having nighttime accidents i mean Yay. i'm sure it'll happen once in a while but like she, when she's got to go she gets up and says mommy i have to go and we go to the bathroom and then we go back to bed and I'm getting knock on wood, but I, I literally cannot tell you the last time she had an overnight accident and she's three. Amazing. Yeah. I know. It's unbelievable. So anyways, that's just my little, like, let me just like throw this in there for people. Um, but you work with so many A families. live review. <laughs> yeah. Live review. But you teach so many families, um, but I'm sure that you also learn things as you have been working with families and you've. Uh, taught different, you know, things to different families from pacifiers to sleep to potty. Um, so what are some of the best things that you've actually learned from your clients? Oh, okay. So it's one of those things where you are humbled by 
everything that families are going through. Um, what's that saying that everybody is going through something that people know nothing about or something? Um, and there's a lot of people that just like they have so many things on their plate that they get to the point where they're like, I can't handle this lack of sleep anymore. And like my job and my spouse and, you know, my family, like there's just so many things that layer and layer and layer and layer until they're like, I just need somebody to come help me. And just like knowing that people are opening up their hearts and their homes and their precious children to me and trusting me with that. It just like, it just gives you like these feels. There has been like some clients will invite me into their home and I will go and do the sleep training with them. And I will sometimes leave people's houses crying, knowing the things that families have gone through or are going through and that they're just reaching out for help so they can have a tiny bit of rest or just a tiny bit of comfort knowing that their kid now has a schedule or that when their kid is napping, they can deal with their sick child or sick spouse or um, that's a lot of what I see when I go in homes is just people who are so overwhelmed that they reach out for help and that we just shouldn't judge people because there's a lot we don't know. And I'll tell yeah. you, like, there's a lot of parents who get on the phone with me and they're crying and they're like, I just don't know what to do. I'm failing my kid. I'm failing my life. I'm failing as a parent. And knowing that so many parents struggle with thinking that they're not good enough, it just kind of makes you take that step back and just realize like, we're all doing the best we can with what we have. It's tough. I think, I think that kind of goes back into your, you know, how good this idea of your center would be, because I, I, I believe I used those words with you and my situation was not dramatic. It wasn't anything that was like, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of other things going on, but I did. I think I used those exact words that I feel like I'm failing her as a parent because she's got it. And I know she's got it and I don't know what else to do. And it, you know, so even in my situation of feeling slightly stressed, I, I felt that way. So I can only imagine when people have very serious things going on in their life and what you, yeah, what you have to deal with and what you also have to, um, soak up like a sponge, I'm sure, uh, with these people that you're dealing with. Yeah. And a lot of people will judge other people thinking like, oh, well, their, their hard's not that hard or, you know, like whatever they're going through, like it's not that big of a deal. But then that just goes back to the whole, like, you don't know exactly what other people are dealing with and it doesn't matter what their heart is. It's hard for them. Period. End yeah. of story. Stop judging. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's funny, I watched this TikTok recently that was this dad and he's holding this cup for his son, right? His son is like a toddler, excuse me, toddler. <laughs> and, and, and he's holding the cup. And he's just saying, he's like, you know, I used to get so frustrated that he, 
homie, like you can hold your own cup. Like you don't need me to hold your cup for you. Or like, you know, he wants me to hold him and like, I don't have time to hold him right now. And to me, it seems like something so small, but because this is the hardest thing he's ever had to deal with, Mm -hmm. I have to remember that like, this is big for him. So I'm going to hold the cup. I'm going to pick him up. And it's like that thought process on the children is is kind of how I try to look at my son when I'm getting frustrated and I'm like dude just I don't know figure it out like you're fine but like no he this is hard for him and he has in comparison nothing else harder to compare this to and I think that we forget that we need to look at other humans that way even though we're adults every like you said everyone's heart is different it doesn't make it any more or less hard but it's what else have we dealt with in our lives? And that might be the hardest thing that they're going through. And that's okay. And it's okay that they're asking for help. It's good that they're asking for help, right? And that that parent guilt and that yeah. parent shame is one of the biggest things that I'm learning. Just it needs to go away. Yeah, So bad it needs to go away. Yeah. And I remember like when I first became a mom and I like – sucked at breastfeeding and I I did not have guilt about quitting and using formula but then I went to like this like meetup group somewhere like that my sister-in-law told me about and it was like I pulled out a bottle and the judgment in that room like people literally were like you're giving him a bottle and I was like excuse me do I know you right and And they also did that for your opinion And, and the other thing too, is you, they have no idea why you're giving him a bottle. Like my best friend, she wanted to breastfeed so bad. Like it was so important to her, but she didn't produce. Like how painful is that for a woman who cares that much to do it? Like you, especially if a stranger said that to you, I hate parent shame. Oh, it makes it's me so like, mad. it's seriously the worst. And that was like my first experience with it. And it was like the last because A, I'm not having it. B, you don't even know me. And C, I kind of hermited myself up for the next several years until I was like, okay, I like people again. But the judging people, like, it's just like, it's old. It's just like, it's yeah. like, who is, who is anyone else to judge other people? Yeah. Well, and it's usually, and what I find is the people that don't want to be judged are the ones that judge the most, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because there's no self-reflection, right? Right. Like, I'm going to judge you, but don't judge me. And the judging is a reflection of their own insecurities. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Well, people. (laughs) (laughs) So... The last question that we have for you today is what is the best advice that you can give parents through all of your years and all of your knowledge and all of your education and just experiences? What's the best advice that you can give parents? Asking for help. That comes up a lot. Really? Mm Yes. Um, I have had clients make me like sign privacy disclosures that I will never tell anyone that they worked with me because they feel like a failure and like that asking for help is not an okay thing to do. And I'll be like, okay, fine. But still like 
it shouldn't be like a big secret that you're reaching out and asking somebody on the outside who is a professional to come help you with this thing that impacts every aspect of your life. And it just, I got to a point because I was like, like I was that mom that was like, I want to be a super mom and I want to do it all. Like have three kids and run a business and bring the kids to preschool and, and gymnastics and this and that and all the things. And I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I've taken a deep breath in six years. And I finally was like, holy crap, I need help. And once I started asking for help, I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? I could have had so many more marbles in there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like asking asking for help is not a weakness. It doesn't make you a weak parent. It actually makes you stronger because you can focus on the things that you're good at. Maybe you're not good at figuring out how to sleep train your kid, but maybe you're really good at teaching them their colors and letters and blah, blah, blah. Like find your strengths. And if that's like a strength in being a parent or if that's a strength in, I don't know, meal planning, like whatever it is, like whatever you're not strong at, like it's okay to ask for help. Like if someone's judging you, it's because they suck. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think like sometimes as parents, like we'll go, even if we're just like at Target and we see someone who looks all put together and they're just like perfect looking, pushing their cart around and you're like, ugh, like I'm wearing two day old sweatpants and scarf <laughs> on my shirt. And we think like, oh, that person's like, they have such a great life. Like they must have it together so well. Maybe they only have it together and maybe they only look good because they have a nanny coming to their house to watch their kid while they get ready for the day. Um, <clears throat> and I think that a lot of people who do have it all together have a village. Love that. Oh, love that. I feel like we came full circle. Yeah. yeah. I told you we <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up we have one thing that we like to do we oh, call it our ask a mom segment okay i love ask a mom this is my favorite part what do we this do is like? fun okay so we pull out our magical spinning wheel okay we have collected questions from people who are not parents um and they have they want real honest answers so we try to do it short form as best that we can but okay. it's a random question all three of us are going to answer and none of us know what the question is yet okay are you ready i'm ready i'm a little nervous <laughs> some of these questions are outlandish i'm just okay. gonna let you know so my answer can be outlandish oh, yes it can be okay yeah. Question number 19. Okay, give me just a moment. Okay, question number 19 comes to us from Hannah, age 29, and she does not want children of her own. Her question is, do you have any phrases that your parents used to say to you when you were a kid that you noticed that you are now using? In parentheses, have you come full circle? 
which brings us back full circle. What? <laughs> On the flip side, are there any that you are purposefully avoiding? Oh, who wants I, to go first? I know of one that I literally said yesterday to my son who was trying to pull a fast one over me. And I did the, do you think I was born yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I said it, I was like, shit, 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 shit. My mother just came out of my mouth. Why did I say that? <laughs> And he, but he looked at me with this look that was like, I know you weren't born yesterday. What is that even supposed to mean? <laughs> so I rephrased it in the worst way possible and was like, do you think I'm an idiot? <laughs> so then what do I hear my kids calling each other today? Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Do you want to know what's funny? So my answer is it's similar in the way that it was repeated. Um, so it, this is the, this actually just recently happened too. Um, we were getting ready. So um, my husband goes to work really early in the morning and um, I get my daughter ready for the day to bring her to daycare before I go to work. And she was just giving me a hard time. Like some mornings are great. Other mornings are not so great. And she was giving me just like a hard time. And I'm like, girl, I'm like, I do not have time for this. I'm like, we, we got to put a move on. Like mommy doesn't have time for this. So I drop her off at daycare. I pick her up at the end of the day and they were like, do you know what she was saying today? And I was like, no, what? They were like, well, we were putting away our toys. And, and she kept saying, I don't have time for this. I, I don't have time for this. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and oh. she's three. <laughs> That's really funny. So that for sure is that it for sure is my like parent saying that I never thought I would be like, cause I'm not a spastic parent, but there are those times you're like, okay, no, but really we have to go. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Guys, I don't have a good answer. Amanda, do you ever hear me say anything that like strikes mom or dad? Like, um, I feel like see this. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like I guess fun for you. Like it was for Missy and I. Um, no. Um, and the reason maybe because I'm just trying to think. Like, could it be that like he's not your son? Isn't like. I don't think he's at that age yet. Yeah, he's definitely not verbal. He's. You know what, Bethany? I have an answer for both of us. Okay. Okay. Go. But this isn't necessarily a phrase. Um, But Missy, you (laughs) may, you, you may understand this one as well. Having grown up with us. Um, Bethany, you and I both do this. And I did not realize that I did this until my husband called me out on it. Um, when I get, when I get frustrated with my daughter, um, the dad eyes come out. Um, so when our dad growing up, you just see, you just did it. Um, (laughs) when our dad growing up got frustrated, his eyes like pop out of his head, like his eyes get really big and like, and you knew you were in big trouble if you got the eyes and I for sure do the eyes i do the dad eyes and bethany i have seen you do it too it's that look of like don't you dare do that and i never thought i even had that look inside me 
it is there and I use it. <laughs> it, it is it is like serious nonverbal communication. And what's mm-hmm. so funny is that in the army, my soldiers, they pick on me because so there's this thing in the army called the preparatory command and you give your preparatory command. So like if you're going to make someone do push-ups, you know, you, you tell them half right, half right is your, is your preparatory command and then face is your action. Right. So my soldiers always joke with me that they know they're in trouble because I look at them and they, they make this face, they go, and they like pick on me with the eyes and they like open their eyes really big and then they go, excuse me. <laughs> and they all say, they're always like, sir, like, that's your preparatory command. Your eyes get really big. And then you just say, excuse me. <laughs> and we just go down into push-ups at that point. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, that's discussing this further. You got the eyes. Yeah, you got the eyes. You got the eyes. So that's definitely from dad. I know phrases that I avoid that I that I actively will never ever ever say. Um, you know, our dad wasn't always like the biggest on emotions, and he always liked to tell me whenever I was like having a big feeling, which happened a lot. I have so many big feelings. Um, he would always tell me, put your emotions away. And it was always just an emotional shutdown, right? And it's like, I will never say that to my son, you know, and that's something yeah. that you live and you learn. And it's just like, I want him to be able to feel his emotions. Um, and so that's one that I that lives in me that I actively avoid. I'm trying to think like, I don't think there's like phrases necessarily that I avoid, but maybe just a style of parenting. Yeah. Like I am, I've actually learned like in spending a lot more time with my dad in the past few years, I've learned that I am so my father. Like funny, like we can just say I'm funny. Okay. Um, (laughs) I got jokes. And just like sarcastic and just yeah. like, just like say, like, I just say dumb shit sometimes. And like, <laughs> that's my dad. But I feel like, like my mom and like that whole side of the family was always just so like calculated in like, you say things like this and you act like this and blah, 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 blah. And I am just so much more laid back and open with my kids. Like, I mean, you guys know, like, there was no openness when I was a kid. It was, you do this and you do that. Like it was very, what's that parenting style? Authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. Just like very strict. And like that style is just not me. I am like, you want to get in bed and nuggle mommy? Okay. I'm going to hold you with my baby. (laughs) Which is funny because like that also comes full circle with like the sleep training stuff. Like I am such like a mushy mush that for somebody to think that like sleep training can be evil and terrible and wrong and like you just make your kid cry it out for forever like no that's not what we do here at slumber and bloom and it just like i just will like embrace the mushiness for as long as i can that's awesome i love that yeah um we talked about this in a previous episode um and more to like i guess our mom's side like our mom was not very kind to herself. And so mm-hmm. I think just in general, and I won't get into too much detail because again, we've we've kind of already covered this before, but I think that is something just so 
on the forefront of, especially for Bethany and I, like our parenting style is to not allow our children to see the unkind things that we may think about ourselves. Um, just because we don't, that is, was passed down to Bethany and I from our mom, um, very unintentionally. Um, and we don't want to continue that pattern. We recognize that pattern and we don't want that to continue. So I think that that, that is at least something, and I know it's not necessarily a phrase, but it's something that we absolutely avoid. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that we are probably able to wrap up at this point. It has been such a wonderful conversation. I, I mean, we could, we could, we could, we actually could. That's the scary I part. I need to take a picture of us. Let me make sure. Oh, Amanda did the peace signs. I was like, I did. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's cute. Oh, it's cute. Okay, good. Um, okay, so really quick, Missy, I just want to allow you to plug your business because I think it's important not just for you to be able to get your name out there, but also for parents who are listening to be able to find you for help. So where can parents find you for free help? So free help would be on YouTube and that's youtube.com slash slumber and bloom or just put slumber and bloom in the search and I'm like everywhere. I have so many videos on there um, that really just answer your questions. Like just type in your questions, slumber and bloom, and I there's probably something there to help you. So now that we know where to go to get your free help, uh, can you tell us where to go to get um, any of your consulting services? Yeah. So that is where you will go on my website, which is also Slumber and Bloom. Everything basically is Slumber and Bloom, but slumberandbloom.com is where you can find my one-on-one sleep training, sleep consulting services, my potty training services. I have... I have a lot to offer, as we have discussed. I have courses that you can do self-paced. I have guides that you can download and read through. Um, And I have my one-on-one consultations where I will do a full assessment of every individual situation, make you a customized sleep plan or potty plan, walk you through it, and support you through the changes. Slumber and bloom, yeah. Perfect. That's my dream. Well, Missy, thank you so, so, so much for doing this. We have to get together at some point so we can talk more. Not at midnight. (laughs) But I'm kid free, so. (laughs) So margaritas for you. (laughs) Should have brought some. Dang it. Right? Uh, well, thank All you right. for having me. I had so much fun. Thank you so much, Missy. Yes, this awesome. podcast is everything and more that I thought it was going to be. Good. So I'm so yeah. glad we did this. Yay. All right. We'll talk to you later. Love you. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was perfect. even get her started on room or roof no i don't say roof but i do say rum oh rum what is rum like the drink no like go to your room Mm. go clean your room and you were raised in the same house yeah yeah my parents tried to parent me like her (laughs) that's what happened
Please note, the views and opinions shared by our guests are just that, opinions. They do not necessarily reflect our own views on topics discussed. So please keep an open mind while listening, as nothing about our podcast is meant to be hurtful or exclusive. Thanks for joining.